When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Lou Nanny Podcast. Uh, And let's start off with this one, sir. Uh, Your thoughts on the news that uh, came down yesterday. Miko Koivu on Tuesday night suffered a torn ACL and meniscus in his right knee. Uh, That type of loss means what to this team? Well, it means they'll be thinking long and hard about whether they're going to be a buyer or a seller. And I say that because uh, they still have a, uh, enough to make the playoffs. They got a little bit of a cushion. They got enough talent to make the playoffs. But uh, as we've heard so many times, just making the playoffs is not enough. And would they have enough without Miko to go far in the playoffs? And, and that's a determination they'd have to make, which I personally don't think they would have enough to go far in the playoffs unless they do some become either a buyer. Yep. And and add something to fill that hole. Yep. Or if they don't, and if they think they're not going to go far enough, do you become a seller? And my first thought is this: um, Chuck took them to the playoffs for six consecutive years, Lou. So I don't see Fenton now now trying to replace Koivu because the cost to try and go get a player to replace him would would be, I would guess, fairly substantial. Correct. So right. if you if you just think through this logically and why Paul uh, was brought in to replace Chuck, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Paul would now. I don't. I probably shouldn't say panic, but that he would make a move that would mortgage any part of of the future for this franchise. Well, that's what I. I personally agree with that. I I, I would be very hesitant to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. I, I would think that it's more important for the future than it is for the. Uh, immediate uh, future, and, and as you said, it would be a high price to get a, a quality guy that's going to be a big difference on the team. You got to you got to pay a lot. Yep. Uh, now, the only way that could change, though, if they give you say they give you the right, they give you the right to negotiate with the guy, and I'll I'll just pick a guy's name out of the hat. We'll, we'll say Kevin Hayes from New York. Or, say, uh, Matt Duchesne from Ottawa. Those are two big-name centers, free agents on the market. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could fit him in the payroll and talk to the agent before, say the Rangers said, okay, you could talk to Kevin Hayes' agent, if, and he'll agree to a contract for six years, then you do do it. Then you do do it, because that's that's a player that you're going to have for five or six years, it's really a quality player, and it's going to be a difference maker in your team. The price for a guy like that w- would be just speculative. What do you think? Draft picks, prospects, a combination of things? 
Well, if you look at what Brian Boyle just went from New Jersey for a second-round pick, and he's nowhere in the class of, of those two guys. Yes, exactly. So you'd have to say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a first-round pick plus a prospect or two, or a first-round plus another later-round pick plus a prospect. It, it all depends who else is looking, what the market becomes. How tough would, would that be in your mind, too, to uh, potentially give up a first-round pick as well? Because I, I just I keep going back to the fact that, you know, Chuck got this team to, to the playoffs, so that is not the issue of why he got fired. He got fired because he had traded lots of draft picks, and the team went out in the first round the majority of the time. So I just keep going back to, would Paul want to go down that same road potentially, or would he just say, okay, Koivu's out, I can almost if not completely, hit a reset button here and look towards 2019-20, and probably more importantly, Lou, 2020-21. Well, I, I, I disagree with you. I don't think he got fired because he gave up too many draft choices because he still had some good picks, and if they if they made different picks, they, he wouldn't have been fired. If, you, if you'd have taken Brock okay, that's true. Yeah. Eric Eck, okay. Eck in the first that's, round. Yes, you're right. Okay. <laughs> you know, and he gave a one first round. Now, uh, having said that, are you going to tell me if if the Wild get Matt Duchesne, yep. which they probably won't get, or Kevin Hayes, which they probably won't get, but if they were able to, say, give a first round plus a prospect, something else, for one of those two guys and and have them agree to a contract for five, six years, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you do it? Because, first of all, if you make the playoffs, you're going to be picking again, like we said, in no man's land. We, you know, you're going to be picking in... in uh, the 16th to, to 20, 20th, 21st. Right. So you got a late first round pick. Plus, you don't know if that guy's ever going to, is he going to be, turn out to be a guy that doesn't produce? Uh, yeah, I mean, he might be a good looking player like Eck, but he hasn't produced. Uh, and we can go to some others. Plus, he's going to be 18 years old, which means in all in all likelihood, he's not going to be able to make your team for, for sure two, maybe three years. Why wouldn't you do it? Speaking of Eck, what do you think now? I mean, he's going to come back up. He's de- with Koivu. He's definitely going to get a chance now. Uh, where is he at? Because being a first round pick, he's clearly a guy that you don't want to give up on, Lou. But where is he at in terms of chances here and having to show something before you say, you know, odds are at least it's not going to work. Well, I I would hope and think that they'd give him a chance now to play. He's the type of guy that could fill a Koivu role as far as checking face-offs and uh, penalty killing, etc. Now, he still hasn't, even though Koivu hasn't scored many goals, he's still been uh, good productively. He's going to get you 45 to 55, 60 points a year. And Connect do that. He should be able to. He's got skills to do that. So you got to give him a look and see because the guy has he's got a lot of things that you like. But he, he needs a chance to settle in and play with good players in that position. And I would think that right now would be a good time to give him that chance. What do you see in his game right now, uh, in this league at least, that's lacking? What's not there? Just just the production. Everything else is not lacking. This kid can play. He can skate. He can shoot. He can. He certainly can check. He's very smart. The only thing is not hasn't translated into anything yet is the production side of it so if this if this was you and and the uh trainers and doctors came to you yesterday and said koivu is out and you're in fenton's chair 
Uh, I, I take it your first move would be to check on a guy like or guys like Duchesne and Hayes. If that doesn't work, how do you how would you proceed as GM? Well, first of all, I would just give Eck a chance to play, and I hope the you know the, the coach would give him give him some good players to play with and see what his future is. Because you might as well make a determination on that as well right now, and and he should be able to. I I I, I think this kid's got a lot of things going for him. He just hasn't produced. He's got to find a way to get the production up, and I think the way to do it is maybe give him a couple of guys like Freezing Coil to play with, and see where he goes from there because. He definitely he's got a lot of the good things going for him. Right. That that gets to my next question. Do you leave Coyle on the wing now, or do you move him back in uh, into a a center spot? Well, I I I, I personally would try that first because Coyle right now is playing really good with Parisi, mm-hmm. and that whether they put put him in the middle with him or on the wing, those two just seem to have some chemistry going, and. Uh, I would just take a look at it because Coyle and Parisi are not only good offensive players, they're good defensive players. They're, they're responsible. They they work hard. They they come up with pucks. And so you might as well play him like uh, you know, give him a chance there. Or you could play him with Granlin. You know, Granlin of course is at center. You mean? Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, Granlin could be in the wing if you want to move Coyle to the center. If you move Coyle to the center, that means X got to go in the wing. You got too many centers. Yes, yeah. Because right, right now, as as the things sit without Koivu, uh, it will go stall on your top line. Um, what? Rask. Well, if you're Ek- put Coil in the middle, he'd be my next one. Okay. And then you got Rask, and then you got Fair. Okay. So, in, in your ideal world, though, would you are you saying that you would leave Coil on the wing, have Eck at least start off playing center? Well, right now I would to see what I could do because we, we know, you know, Coyle's been producing. He's been playing really well lately, both at center and wing, wherever they're putting him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's giving them what they want. So he might as well make a determination on that because uh, it gives you an opportunity now to see what he can do and, and, and put him with good players and, and give him some good ice time. How tough, Lou, do you think this is going to be now uh, for Koivu to come back from the torn ACL in the right knee? He's going to be, he turns 36 on March 12th. I believe he's got a year left on that contract he signed a couple years back now. What's that going to be like in your mind to try and come back um, off an ACL tear and also meniscus damage, excuse me, in his right knee? I don't think that's going to be tough. Everybody comes back from it. Uh, I... You know, Corv was strong, so there's not a skating. So it, it, it's not like he's going to lose a lot of skating stuff. He, he, and he's such a such a hard worker and, and uh, uh, an unbelievable competitor. He's he's going to be able to play again. And if he wants to play, he's got one year to go, and I'm sure that'll be the end of it. But I would think that he would he would uh, play that year out, and he'll be ready to play. I, I really believe he'll come back from it. I've, I've seen a lot of guys come back from my head at ACL. Did uh, you win? Yeah, yeah. So I had I had an operation uh, with just before the Olympics started. Before I played with the Olympic team in '68, and then uh, I had it. I actually had the operation done in '67, and it was uh, it was a bad tear, and, and I had it. But I 
things were different in those days. I was 12 weeks in a cast. Now they do them. They're out of them so fast. I was. They're rehabbing told, like the next day now, right? Yeah, to told a hip week? Uh, deal. And, wow. And I, and I actually, every game and every practice, yep. I would tape uh, my knee. I'd have a tape and uh, sort of in a crossway, and then, and then I'd put a, a brace, a wrap over it, and then I put a brace over that, and I played that, you know, way for the next 12 years, so it didn't matter. Did it hurt for a, a long time? It hurt or? all the time. Hurt all the time. Okay. Training camp until you get used to it. Yep. And then, uh, you know, you're going to have some initial pain, and then you just, and then it goes away after a while. So what what was Orr's knee issues? The bad operation. He had the same thing. He okay. Just had, he, said he had about 15, 16 operations. Oof. If you don't do it right, I had mine done to Mayo Clinic, which I was very happy about, but if you don't do it right, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you you then then you got a problem. But the doctors and medicine is so much better today than it was before. Right. And and these guys get fantastic treatment. And you and you I mean look at Bridgewater. He had a tear that when when his was first done, he thought he'd never come back. And he's back playing football. I mean, you see it in all sports and and all the guys. They, they these professional athletes work so hard at getting back in condition, and they're able to do it. All right, explain this to me. Have you ever seen a team fall behind as much as this team does? And and how maddening is that as a a GM, a coach, or even a player to consistently? It seems like in so many of the Wilds games, you look up at the scoreboard and it's one to nothing, Louis. You know, I have to tell you honestly, Judd, I don't even remember falling behind. I, you just remember the end result. You yeah. don't care how you get there, and 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 I watch all these wild games, and I don't even remember them falling behind the game. I just remember at the end of the game, you win or you lose, and <laughs> and what's happened during the game. It, it <laughs> your fortunes a game sixty minutes long, and and it doesn't matter. It's it's how do you react and and how do you end up, and and uh, they've been ending up pretty good for all the times they've fallen behind. So. They're in the playoff position. They got a little bit of a cushion. They've had uh, times where they've been extremely good, and then they've had times where they couldn't win a game. But at the end of the day, is they're still a good hockey club that's going to make the playoffs the way it looks right now. You know the funny thing, Judd, when you look at it. Yeah. For years now, we've always looked at this this conference. So you got to have ninety four for sure to get in the playoffs. Yep. Maybe ninety two. I. I I think at the end of the season, when you look, there might be two playoff teams from this conference that don't have 90 points. It's remarkable, Lou. Yeah, it's really what's ha- changed. What's really happened? Changed. Well, the East has got uh, better, and the West has got uh, <laughs> not quite as good. And, and, and uh, let me put it this way, maybe even even closer in competition where no one's really pulling away. There aren't a whole bunch of teams pulling away that oh. anybody can beat anybody, and, and the gap's smaller. As we record this, Lou, the the uh, Wild in the top playoff position in the wild card with 57 points. Vancouver is in the second position with 54. But here's the incredible thing. St. Louis is at 53. St. Louis, which got off to that god-awful start. Colorado is at 52. Arizona's at 51. Edmonton, 51. The Blackhawks, 51. The Anaheim Ducks, who have at times been begging to be put out of their misery, are at 51. Yeah. So you're right. It it is a remarkable log jam, and, and the last two or three years 
on this podcast now or on, on the air, we've talked about how great the conference was going to be. And a year ago, I think it was. And I am I am blown away this year by by not only what you're talking about, which is how close teams are, but yeah, the shift in power as well. Yeah, and and you're going to see before the end of the year. Right now in this conference, dogfights where you never expected them. And another one is the Blackhawks. They were dead, done, and gone. Yes, they're coming hard right now. Yes, and I still think they're going to have a tough time making it because you still got to jump a lot of teams. But if they did make it, would you be surprised? No, not the way they're playing today. It's incredible. Yeah. Edmonton, what do they need to do? I mean, because this is a team, and we, we've talked about this or touched on this before, but McDavid is such a fantastic player. And offensively, they certainly have components. But what needs, when they, they get a new GM there, which I think is going to happen after the season, what needs to happen there to get this team on the right course? Because because Hitchcock got him going in the right way for a while, and now they've slid backwards again. And you just look at the talent offensively, and McDavid in particular, and you say to yourself, it's a cotton pick and shame that there is a good chance that this is the type of team that's not going to make the playoffs again. Well, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they need a few too many things right now. They they, they have some outstanding players. In fact, the, the best player in McDavid. And yet they, they they don't have a lot of balance. I think that their their forward line, even though they have a number of good names, they don't have a lot of balance after McDavid's line. Mm-hmm. They, they definitely need to upgrade their defense. And I also think the goaltender situation has to be upgraded. They, they've been trying to do it. They never got it resolved. And, and I don't think that they're really in a position where they're extremely happy with their goaltending yet. So they, they need some things there. And... Uh, I think that the holes are too big for them to make the playoffs this year. Here's what's weird. So, if I'm not mistaken, Chirelli, who got fired as GM now a couple weeks back, signed signed Koskinen, if I'm not mistaken, that's his name, the goaltender, to a contract extension. Right. And then, like, two days later, during the course of a loss at home, Chirelli got fired. And so somebody, clearly, who owns the team, signed off on signing the goaltender to a contract extension that was being done by a guy that they fully knew as GM was about to be fired. Well, they all they, that that point came up, Judd, when they let Cirelli uh, go, and uh, Bob Nicholson, who's the president, said that everybody was consulted. Uh, the whole organization felt strongly about the goaltender, and that they do think he's a goaltender of the future. So they had no problem uh, signing him to a long-term contract. Okay, interesting. Um, give me your thoughts on your th- theory, if nothing else, on why you think, and it, it's a small thing, but it, it intrigued me, why you think Victor Rask was picked to go first in the shootout against Buffalo a, a couple nights ago. The puck dribbled off his stick, but statistically, he is in that format one for seven in, in his career. And more importantly, I didn't know this, he hadn't taken a, a shootout attempt, Lou, in four years. You got any theories on that one? I found that to well, be intriguing. The, the, no, no shootout attempt four years uh, to me has no uh, no effect on it at all. Mm-hmm. And I say that because uh, of a number of reasons. One, the goaltender. Then obviously they haven't seen you. Uh, wouldn't know if you're any good or not, <laughs> or okay. what kind of move you got. Uh, plus, uh, you know, you might have done things differently four years ago than you're doing now, and, and usually. I'm certain that while, like everybody else, uh, they practice shootouts at the end of the game and take a look at who's doing what and who might be good. So 
he, he might have been looking good in practice, but I, I was surprised that he took it. Uh, did I expect it? No. Would I think that he should have done it? No. But you know, there, we, we we're not there. We're not around all the time to to make those decisions to see if if in practice in the shootouts that all of a sudden the guy is doing some things real good that might might get him a, a goal. Because when when you look at it, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I go back and look at some of the guys that Coy was had tremendous success with his backhand, even though you know it's coming. A lot of times he still scores. Coyle's been unbelievable in it. Preece's been unbelievable in it. Mm-hmm. You think Zucker and Granlin, the way they have moved the puck, they'd be good. Yeah, uh, you, you always think uh, even a guy like a defenseman, a, a Spurgeon, coming in there. If you look at the Rangers, I'm with you best, on Spurgeon. The, the best guy, yes. the, the best guy in the Rangers in the shootout this year has been Shattenkirk. The yeah, yeah, I'm so, with you completely. I think Spurgeon could be fantastic. I'm not sure, yeah. but I think he could be. Yeah. So his moves are really good. I mean, he's a little guy. He's shifty. Yeah. You you never you never know, and and, and I, I I do believe it's something the team should continually practice because there's so many points at stake. Absolutely. You know, they, 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 I'll, I'll guarantee you the average number of shootouts probably comes to about uh, eight to ten a team a year, and 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 that's eight points. And Louis, to this day, it drives me crazy. Me too. Before I but, hate, I hate it. But yes, but yeah, no. But I, I'm with you. If I was Boudreaux, I would give at least serious thought. I think Spurgeon could be really good. Well, he's got I, offensive uh, skills. Yeah, I, I would think so too, and I would like to see it and. And who knows? We we might at some time. Now, if you watched the game last night between the Rangers and the Bruins on uh, NBC Sports National TV, mm-hmm. that shoot shootout eventually solved the, the the tie. But the best part of the game was the three on three. I love the three on three. It was it was unbelievable excitement. Yep. And I I guarantee you, rather than do a shootout. If they just extended the the three and three another five minutes, yep. which it takes that long to do a shootout, yep. every game would be settled. Three on three is is exciting. It's fun, and to me, mo- most importantly, yes, it's it's not the pure five on five form, Lou. Right. But you know what it is? It's hockey. Yeah, you know, I mean, the shootout's not hockey. It's a it's a free throw shooting contest. It's a home run derby. Uh, but I, I think the three-on-three three is fantastic. So do I, and I, I really believe that uh, eventually the, the NHL will get to that and, and resolve games that way, which would make a lot more sense than just having a shootout do it. And you bring up the point that's very true, too, and it's the fact that the Eastern Conference has gotten incredibly fast. The Eastern Conference is fun now. Yes. they got a lot of good players. they got... Uh, uh, wide open games. It, it, the checking doesn't seem to be as close there as this in in the West, and and uh, you, you get some you got some gunners over there that make it exciting. As long as we are going to have the uh, shootout format, though, the one thing that I would love for you to get to your friends at the league to talk about is if we're going to have to watch it, can we get rid of the dipsy doodle? I'm going to go to the boards and then I'm yeah, going to yeah. cross like the the Zucker shot against Buffalo to me is what it should be. Skate to the net, take your shot. If you score, you score. But there's nothing that drives me more crazy than these guys. And there's some good good ones. I get that, but that peel off towards the boards. Well, not only that, eventually Ugh. your best opportunity is going to be uh, if you 
to get back to the middle because you've got more, more places to shoot. You're not as easy to cover. Absolutely. And, and so you, you could do all the dipsy-doodle you want, but you know, you know what it reminds me of? Is when, you, when you go from playing an NHL standard ring 200 by 85 to go to playing uh, Olympic size ice 200 by 100. 100, yep. Eventually, you've still got to come back to the net. <laughs> you know, you can't right. find guys to check because they're way over next or 15 feet over, which, by the way, when you go 15 feet for the whole length of an ice, that's one-third more ice surface. And when I used to play over there, I used to think, gee, it seems like nobody's around here. Where are you guys? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it, uh, you got to come back to the front, and I, I agree with you that, that the dipsy doodle is, is uh, over to the side and then, taking your time, and then you come back to the middle, why don't you just go down there? And I, I thought when I was a kid and and the penalty shot w- was the only way that, that you had that, I thought that there was a much more specific rule about going to the net and continuing the puck going forward. You know, now they're off to the side, and now I don't remember anybody, and they probably would, would have gotten killed if they tried this, I don't remember anybody, you know, circa 1982 deciding, I got a penalty shot and I'm going to get all cute. I think their right. coach would have absolutely annihilated them. Well, I, I just don't think they got cute because they never thought about it. it. Didn't you wouldn't even think of doing that? You just you took a penalty shot, you go right down the yes. edge of the net, and you're right. You always have to keep them, you know, going forward towards the net. And, and I think they've they've let uh, let that go a little bit too much. They give them a little too much leeway. Yeah, because there there was one a couple of years back. I want to say it was Kane or somebody clearly pretty much stopped. Oh, he stopped and then he shot and that, but he had moved backwards. And so it's like okay, at that point in time, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, last thing, your thoughts on the additions um, in the past couple of weeks of uh, Brad Hunt, the defenseman that they got from Vegas, and then Benton picked up a Predators defenseman, Anthony Batito, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, uh, from his former club. And he, both of them played against Buffalo on Tuesday, and they actually, I was a little bit surprised by this, scratched Sealer on Tuesday so Batito could play. Well, uh, Hunt is going to... Give them something they're missing with Dumba. He's he's uh, a good offensive defenseman. I, I, he's creative. Uh, he, he's quick. I, he really is, uh, looked pretty sharp on the, on the point in the power play. I think it was a good addition for them to to get him. He's he's definitely uh, giving them the element that they needed. You know, a puck moving defenseman that can skate, get in the play, and, and play the power play. Uh, Petito, I think, is just. Uh, you know, uh, depth for them. I, I don't. Okay. I don't see him replacing. You're not going to take Sealer stuff in this out of the lineup, and Patterns played pretty solid. So. No, and and Sealer, what what was it? Was that in the game in Colorado right before the All Star break? He blocked something like three or four shots yeah, on one yeah. late shift. That and that's. I mean, that's a player who deserves to play consistently. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, He's been uh, an important cog in when people talk about the, the Wild now, all of a sudden, you know, there's been interest in in this kid because of the way he plays and how hard he plays. And he's certainly been a, a very, very good addition to the team. Thanks, Lou. Talk to you okay. next week. Take nice care. To talk to you. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.